the believer's state and the standing. And we are continuing this message again this morning on the believer's state and his standing. We dwelled at length last week on the future and the present. And uh, we'll just uh, sort of rehearse a little of this that we had last week where the apostle said in Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We already have forgiveness. But yet we are told in Romans 8.23 that we are awaiting that redemption. And would you listen as the, as the Holy Spirit has us, and not only they but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves waiting for the adoption, that is, the redemption of our bodies. And we showed you last week how that our soul and, and spirit is already redeemed. And that is experientially, but our bodies await redemption. Then again we find in John 3.36 that we have eternal life. But in 1 Timothy 6.12 he says to Timothy, lay hold of eternal life. We have it now, but he said lay hold of that. And then in Colossians 1.13 he said that we have been delivered from the power of darkness and have already been translated into the kingdom of his dear Son. Yet I find in Colossians, or in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, that it's an inheritance. And also in Ephesians 5, 5, he said that all of these, he names those kind, he says, you know they have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. And yet we've been translated into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Now, faith brings the fullness of the future into the poverty of the present. By faith daily we are living. And uh, this faith, this faith in whom? Well, this faith is in a person, in the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe what he has said. Now, we have people today who have the, what they call the red letter uh, New Testament. And they are the words of Jesus. Well, beloved, I want to say to you this morning that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and the whole Bible is the, is the word, are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the whole thing, it would necess- necessitate of writing the whole Bible in red because they are inspired of Him. And this faith that we have in Him... That is, and faith in his word, because he said in Psalm 138.2, I magnify my word above all my name. And so God, it pleases God when we believe his word. And so faith in his word, believing that God meant what he said. And so it brings that future. Now, what is your future? Are we going to be caught up? to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But now this, believing this, this brings that time down here in this present time 
And this is the poverty of the present time. We haven't yet been entered into that. We haven't been changed. Our bodies have not been changed because we just read to you out of Romans 8:23 that we're waiting uh, to wit the redemption of our bodies. And so I say again that faith brings the fullness of the future into the poverty of the present. But then we find also in studying on the uh, studying on the standing and the state, showing our position in Jesus Christ. And wherever you find position, if you are elected to a position in any organization down here, why are you put in that position? Because it imposes duty. And so we have a position in the heavenlies, in Christ. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and now, since this be true, it imposes duty. Now, this causes the strife between the flesh and the spirit. For Paul tells us, or the Holy Spirit, rather, tells us, in Galatians, the fifth chapter, and in the 17th verse, and there he said, The flesh uh, lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So, you see, this is where the conflict takes place. It is, it is a strife. That's between the flesh and the spirit. Now, it is just here that we continue to experience the contrast which follows next. And it is related to strength. What is it? Well, let's look at the next point in the standing estate, and that is God's work and our work. Now, God works all things, yet we also are workers. It's all a gift. We know this, that it is a gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And then again we find in Romans 6.23, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then he tells us the gift of God is eternal life. Now he says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Then in Ephesians 2.10, he says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, foreordained that we should walk in them. Oh, yes, it is holy, a gift of God. But then we find that it is, uh, everything is acquired by effort. So we go to Colossians the fourth chapter, and in the twelfth verse. And note what we read here in Colossians, the fourth chapter, and in the twelfth verse. And here the apostle by the Holy Spirit says, uh, Epiphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, greeteth you. Now, get this, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. 
that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Yes, we find God's work. It is wholly a gift of God. God works all things, yet we are workers also. The gift, and yet everything acquired by effort. Why? Well, we find that holiness, holiness is wholly His work. And when we go to 1 Thessalonians and the chapter 5 and verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, that's W-H-O-L-L-Y, entirely, the very God of peace, Sanctify. Now, sanctify means to set apart as holy, H-O-L-Y, unto God. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that the holiness is holy, His work. I go to 1 Corinthians and there in the sixth chapter and in the eleventh verse. And here again we find that he says, And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. How? Not by your works, but by the Spirit of our God. This is God's Word. It is holy of God. And yet also, I find that it is my work also. For, listen, now these things uh, sound contradictory, but they're not. For as you remember we said, wherever there is position, then there is responsibility. And uh, in, in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, in the 14th verse, now listen, as the Holy Spirit instructs believers, and regardless of what dispensation it is, this is an eternal truth, and it applies and fits into every dispensation and with every people of God, whether heavenly or earthly. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Well, then my work is required also. It is required. Why, why is it? One shows position. It is all of God. Now then, since God has been so wonderful to us, and He saved us without a cause, as He tells you in the third chapter of Romans, the 25th verse, therefore being justified without a cause. Being justified without a cause. Then this is exactly what God did. God didn't save you because you did this or because you did that. Well, someone has pointed out to me, said, but Brother Watson, there is work, even in our salvation. For he says, believing he calls. 
For in the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John, he says, This is the work that uh, this is the work of God that you believe on his son so they said don't you see that believing is a work all oh, but that's not what he is what he means there this is what he is saying you say well then why didn't God say what he meant he did this is the work of God that you believe that's God's work that you believe and so the work of believing is God's work for he said for by grace are you saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. But on the other hand, let's turn to the twelfth chapter of the book of Romans, and I suppose that this, these two verses are used more than any verses in all the Bible for the on messages of consecration, where believers are exhorted to consecrate their lives unto God. Now listen to him, and here is our responsibility. And notice what the apostle says. I beseech you therefore. Ah, but this is a Christian as a man. And the responsibility uh, that we have, yes, our salvation is the work of God. It is wholly God's work. And yet, on the other hand, here we find it is wholly a task. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Ah, when God saved you, my friend, when you were saved, then God saved you for a purpose. God never saved anyone to just sit idly by. Your services may not be seen of man, but what makes the difference whether man sees your service or not? We're living in a day today in this day of apostasy when that old flesh rises up and he's expecting so much uh, to be praised of men and to make a name for himself and going out after numbers and even leaving the word of God and getting their own programs and their methods rather than sticking to the word of God. Oh, these things ought not to be. James said, Beloved, these things ought not to be. And they ought not to be. Ah, but this is your reasonable service. God wants you serving him. Now, it is reported that in the grace movement that it is not evangelistic. I challenge any man who says that the revelation that was given to the Apostle Paul isn't evangelistic. Yes, indeed it is evangelistic. We must be about our Father's work. We must be. Uh, we must uh, have services for Him and unto Him. We hear people talking about uh, working for the Lord. Yet we're told in the First Corinthians that we work with the Lord. We are workers with the Lord, and uh, the working with the Lord is a different kind of evangelism than we see today. 
we see the so-called evangelism of today and working for the Lord. There's too much of that. Working for. And we've given the, the illustration many times in building a building. Uh, it was asked of one man, what are you doing? What kind of work are you doing? He said, well, <coughs> pardon me. He said, I am, uh, I am carrying the brick for these bricklayers. And that was all there was, that, that's all he did. Now, he was working for the builder. Another man who was doing the same work, and they asked him, what are you doing? And he stopped and described the building. We are building a building. And then he described the beauty of the edifice as a finished product. And he was working to that end for the finished product. Now, this man was working with the builder. The other was working for. I am sorry to say this morning, God is building a house not made with hands, God is building a house, and your body is the temple of God. And so we find too many. Yea, they are saved. They're members of the body of Christ. They are working for the Lord, not having an inkling, not the least inkling of what the finished product is going to be like in the glorified bodies when we're made like unto Him. They're working for the Lord. But thank God He has given a vision to many others that we see the finished product. By faith, we behold that finished product. We are working with the Lord, and we're taking the gospel of salvation to every person that we come in contact with. It doesn't mean that you've got to stop and preach Him a sermon. Oh, no, that isn't it. But I want to tell you, and as I said to a dear pastor friend of mine, and he told me, he said, you know, uh, Brother Watson, that the baptism in water is a testimony to the world. But I said, but doctor, don't you believe that our walk is a greater testimony and witness to the world than all of the things that we do where the world can look upon uh, in something that a preacher adds to you. Don't you think that our walk is a greater witness than all the water that can be poured on you? He said, yes, I grant you that our walk is the witness. Oh, this is it. He said, it is your reasonable service. And here are some knots that unravel K-N-O-T-S. N-O-T that will unravel K-N-O-T-S. You see, people get tied in knots a lot of time. And all of the worry and scurry today and people's, uh, their very inward parts are just knotted up inside them. What's the cause of it? It's because of a nervous tension that comes upon this world as we see today. We don't know what's going to take place next when we see the governments and the uh, things that are going on and people's hearts are and their very uh, life is being is being uh, changed by it, and they're in knots. The inside, that's the tension. Ah, but listen to him. And here is a knot that every individual ought to listen to. Be not 
conformed to this world. But be you transformed, and this is the word metamorphosis. That means to change completely. You are in the world, but not of the world. And so here is what he says. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't you go the way of the world. I ask you again this morning, is this practical? And is this, is this a losing an evangelistic service? Why does God want you to not be conformed to this world? Because he wants you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Why does God want you to walk this way in the world and be transformed? Because, he said to the Corinthians, we are living epistles known and read of men. Why does he want men to read us? Because we are the only Bible that the unsaved person knows. And if we profess that we've been saved by the wonderful grace of God, then he says, don't be conformed to this world and live like the world and the dead. And when he says in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, awake thou that sleepest and uh, uh, come out from among the dead and Christ will give you light. Why does he, why does he warn Christians to awake thou that sleepest? Because we have more sleeping Christians today than we do wide awake Christians. This is what God wants. He wants uh, you to come out from among them that are dead in the trespasses of sin and don't live like the world, but be metamorphosed, be changed, and let your life and let the world see that God has the power to change that life and that you can live a life that is according to his will. That is perfect, and in the will it is according to that perfect will of God. This is what he wants. And then again, we are told in Philippians, the second chapter, and oh, this has come to me so many times, and I've had it said to me, you say that it is strictly the work of God, and that man has nothing to do with it whatsoever. Ah, but listen to this. And in uh, Philippians, uh, the second chapter, and verses 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, and let, let, me, let me stop here and digress just a moment and explain here. Wherever God speaks in his word to the believers, obedience is commanded. We find that this is one of the doctrines of the Bible, obey. Obedience. Obedient unto his word. Now, there are different programs, and the things that he required of Israel of old, he forbids for members of the body of Christ today. This is what you call testing the things that differ. And there you find it's rightly dividing the word of truth as to the dispensation in which the words were spoken. Now then, we are to obey the programs 
that he has given unto us. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, and here this work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Well, what does he mean by that? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, now on the, uh, on the face value of this, it looks as though that you are to work out your own salvation. But then I've asked these people, says, now don't you see here, even Paul tells you that you have to work that salvation out. It's not a gift of God. You have to work for it. I have this so much from the Arminian faith anyhow. Beloved, before you can work a thing out, it has to be worked in. And he goes ahead in that next verse. For because it is God who worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. How can you work out something that hasn't already been worked in? It is like we read in the fifth chapter of Romans in the fifth verse. For he says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now how can you send out love if the love of God hasn't been shed abroad in your heart? Now that's the agape love. This is not the lustful love uh, that many uh, are substituting today instead of the agape love of God. That love has to be worked in before it can be lived out. And so the salvation, the working of your salvation, it is God who has worked it in. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast far, because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, foreordained that we should walk in them. Unsaved friend, this morning, if you're listening in, oh, let me, let me urge you again today that you turn to Jesus Christ and stop trying Oh, I've had so many people say, Well, Brother Watson, I'm trying. I said, Well, why don't you stop trying and believe God? Take him at his word. Won't you take him at his word and believe on him? As I talked to a professor of theology out of a university, and uh, he said, No man can know whether he's saved or not. I said, But you're talking to a man that does know. He said, no, you don't, mister. I said, oh, yes. I said, are you married? He said, happily so. I said, tell me how you know you're married. Well, he said, I have a wife and two lovely children. Well, that's fine, but you haven't told me why you know you're married. And uh, he saw that I did, he, or I saw that he did not know what I was talking about. I said, were you married by a preacher? And he said, yes. Do you remember what he said? Yes. I said, did he say... I now, uh, I, um, I now pronounce you husband and wife in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What God therefore joined together, let no man put asunder. He said he did. Have you doubted any more? Have you ever doubted since then that you were saved? He said, I haven't had a doubt. I said, no, you believe a preacher. 
You'll believe a man that'll say that. Yet Romans 3, 3 said, For what if some does not believe? Does it make the word of God to none effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. God says, If you believe on my Son, whosoever heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall never come into judgment, but is already passed from death unto life. God said this, and you said, I can't believe that, Lord. I can't trust you on that. But a man, and he said, let every man be a liar, but God be true. But man comes and tells you that you're married and you have no doubt. And you know, this professor was a very, he was a very fine man. He looked up and he said, you know, mister, I never heard it this way before, but you've got something there. Now, beloved, this is exactly what it is. God has given unto us eternal life. He has worked that salvation in. Now he says for you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Does that mean that we're to be afraid of God? Oh, no. This fear and trembling is that I be not conformed to this world, that I am working out the salvation, that my works may be acceptable unto God, and it might be a testimony and a witness in this old world, this dark old world in which we now live. Friend, if you don't know Christ this morning, believe. Believe God's word. Take him as your own, your very own Savior, and you will experience eternal life here and now. Will you do it? And until next week, at this same hour, this is Otis Watson speaking for the Berean Bible Church, saying goodbye, and God richly bless you.